Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First, though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Well, hello, Emmanuel Church. How are you feeling today? It is a truly a joy to be with you here today. And if this is your very, very first time at any one of our locations, whether you're joining us at our Banta campus, our Franklin campus, our Garfield Park campus, our Seymour campus, if you're joining us online somewhere across the nation or even across the world, or here at Greenwood, and this is your first time, we want to give you a very, very special welcome. Can we give it up for all of our first-time guests? We know that it's tough to get up on a Sunday morning, for some of it's your only day off, and to come to church and get dressed, maybe even get some crazy kiddos dressed and to church, and so it's kind of a big deal, and, uh, and so we want to say thank you. Hopefully your experience thus far has been a good one. And for those of, uh, uh, those of you who are not brand new, welcome back. Good to see you guys. Some ugly sweaters out there. Wow. I saw one uh, in the first service with a dinosaur head on the front, a dinosaur tail on the back. I wonder if that person is going to win. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's exciting to be here. We love Christmas around Emmanuel. And uh, we're in a series right now called Treat Yourself. If you were here last week, you heard about it. Uh, it's a series. We got the idea from uh, a TV show called Parks and Rec. Any Parks and Rec fans out there? Yeah, pretty funny show. I don't necessarily recommend it, but it could be, uh, could be uh, somewhat humorous and entertaining from time to time. Uh, but yeah, there's two characters in that show, Tom and Donna. Once a year, they do this whole thing called treat yourself. And the entire day, they do nothing but eat what they want to eat, buy what they want to buy for themselves. And the whole day is dedicated to being selfish. And all we did last week is say, hey, I wonder if that is the best way to live. Because in our culture today, we, haven't, we don't just do that once a year. Our culture has kind of adopted this mentality every single day of the year. Maybe it's not that bad, but it's pretty close. We, we are really into doing things for ourselves. You do you. You got to do what feels right. Like put yourself first. Like that's the kind of culture that we live in today. We have adopted that mentality. We said, we just asked this question last week. How does that work out? Does that work out well for us in the context of a dating relationship? Or how about a marriage? Some of you are like, Heck no. That's how our first marriage ended, right? He was entirely selfish. She was entirely selfish, right? Some of you are like, that's how my second marriage ended too. <laughs> how does that work out in an office where you have coworkers and employees and everyone's supposed to work together and somebody's doing the treat yourself? You know, how does that work out? It didn't work out too well, does it? Like in, in relationships with our children and our parents or brothers and sisters or, or, uh, or you know, roommates, it, it doesn't really work out that well. Last week I said something to the effect of, you know, a selfish life is the fastest way to an empty life. Uh, what I want to say this week is that if, if you take the path of selfishness, you're gonna, your funeral is going to be very small. 
I mean, who, I mean, what happens at a funeral? People stand up and, and, and those, who, those who praise the person who's passed away, whether it's a mother, a father, a brother, a sister, whoever it is, don't they say things like, my dad was so awesome. He thought of others before himself. Isn't that what we praise? We praise unselfishness, but our culture teaches us to be selfish. It's a crazy situation. You live a selfish life, you're going to have a very small, very quiet funeral. I love this book. I read it every day, not because I'm a pastor. I read it way before I was a pastor, but I read it because it's truth. The Bible says about the Bible, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a guide unto my path. It shows us what's right, what's not right, how to get right, how to stay right. I read it every day. This is what the Bible tells us, written by a man named Paul in the book of Philippians, maybe my favorite book in the New Testament. Listen to what Paul says to a bunch of adults. He's not writing to middle school students. He's not writing to high school students, even though middle school students and high school students, this applies to you. He's writing to 30-year-olds. He's writing to 40-year-olds. He's writing to 50-year-olds. Listen to what the instruction is from the Apostle Paul. Don't be, say with me, Selfish, which is kind of comical that he has to write that, don't you think? I mean, we're all adults now, and, and, and we're out of our teen years, or most of us are. I realize we have teenagers in the crowd today. And God has to tell adults not to be a two-year-old, not to be 14 anymore, not to be self-centered. Now, is that amazing to you, or, or, or is it, am I the only one? Yes or no? Like we are, why does the Bible tell us this? Why does the Apostle Paul write this? It's because we are prone, our nature, even as 40, 50, 60 year olds, is to be entirely narcissistic and self-centered. Are you honest enough that, about your, yourself to admit that? So Paul says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of other people as more important than yourself. Can you imagine if we had a culture that did that? Wow. Then he takes it a step further and he says this. Don't look out for your own interests or only for your own interests. Don't live a treat yourself mentality, but rather take interest in, say it with me, in others also. Last week we asked this question. It's a real simple question. What if the best way to live, instead of going the treat yourself mentality, the direction, what if we saw our lives as gift givers? What if the best way to live was to be a gift giver. This is the way Paul saw his life. See, the Apostle Paul had this massive conversion experience in the New Testament. His name, before it became Paul, was Saul, until Jesus literally knocked him off his horse, spoke to him, he put his faith in Jesus, then at some point, he brought Paul up to heaven, showed him what was going on in heaven, then Paul came back to earth. And you know what he said after he came back to earth? I'd rather go back. <laughs> I'd rather go to heaven. It is better for me to die so I can be with Christ. Why? Because in heaven, there's no sin. There's no tornadoes. There's no corruption. There's no lies. There's no cancer. There's no death. In heaven, everything is perfected. I'd rather go there, but I'm convinced, Philippians chapter one, I'm convinced it's better for me to stay here for your benefit, for your progress, and for your joy in the, in the, in the faith. Paul saw his life as a gift to others. And what's true for him is true for you, and it's true for me. The best way to live is to be a gift giver. Now, I imagine in my mind that when I say things like that, everybody watching online at all of our locations is like, you're right. That's the best way to live. What should I give? Is that where you're at? Just kind of help me out here. Is that where you're at? Say, yes, Pastor Danny. <laughs> We're there. I want to be a giver instead of a taker. 
What should we give? Well, we, we give what God has given to us. And last week we looked at the fact that the Christmas story brought joy into the world. What did the angel say? I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Why? The Savior, yes, the Messiah, is born today in Jerusalem. So we receive that joy and then we give that joy out. That's what Christmas is all about. What do we want to talk about today? What else do we give? Well, God in Christmas through Christ gave us service. He gave us service. He served you and he served me. What does it mean to serve somebody? A real simple definition here so we know what we're talking about. Get our brains wrapped around this idea. Give us a target on the wall. We're talking about meeting the needs of someone else. We're talking about looking at a need and saying, I can help you with that, and then meeting that need. That is what it means to serve. Jesus served you. Jesus served me. Jesus served humanity. How? By meeting our greatest need. What was our greatest need? What's your greatest need? Reconciliation, redemption, grace. Sin has separated us from God. We're born into this world rebels. We're enemies of God underneath the wrath of God. And Jesus comes into this world, what? To die on a cross, to wipe away and to wash away our sin, to bridge the gap, to bring us back to God so that we can have fellowship with God. That's what Christmas is all about. In the, in the Christmas story as recorded in the book of Matthew, this is how it plays out. Joseph is gonna marry Mary, like they're engaged and everything's going great and they've got chemistry and they're dating and they like each other and I'm, I'm making all that up. But, 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 that, but what we do know is they were engaged to be married and they're moving forward, okay? They're about to get married. All of a sudden, Joseph discovers something about his fiance. What does he discover? <gasps> She's pregnant. And Joseph is a good man and Mary's a, you know, he's a, she's a righteous woman. He's a righteous, and, and, and he knows he hasn't been with her intimately. So what could this mean? Oh, she stepped out on me. Now, it doesn't say that in the actual text, but, you know, based on Joseph's response, you can tell there's a problem here. There's a problem. So because he's a righteous man and he's a kind-hearted man, he's going to break off the engagement because Mary has gone off and gotten pregnant with some other man. And so he's going to do it discreetly. He's not going to embarrass her. He's not going to shame her. And that night, an angel comes to Joseph and says, hey, bud, you got this all wrong. <laughs> She's not one of those girls. Now, that's my interpretation, okay? But she, you got this all wrong. What, ha what happened is that the Holy Spirit has, has impregnated Mary. And, and, and then the angel says this to Joseph. And she will have a son, and you'll give him the name Jesus. For he will, say it with me, save his people from their sins. What is Christmas all about? Is it about Christmas trees and gift giving and mistletoes and all this other stuff? I mean, that's fine, but it's, it has nothing to do with that. It's a rescue mission. It's the way God has served humanity through Christ by meeting our greatest need, the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus as it turns out, was a servant. He was the ultimate servant. In the book of Matthew chapter 20, there's a great story about uh, Jesus' disciples. And I love this story because it reveals the humanity of the disciples. You ever read the Bible and you think, man, I'm, I could never be like Paul or Peter or all these guys. Well, actually, they were a lot like you and they were a lot like me. Let me tell you the story. So in Matthew chapter 20, James and John, two of Jesus' closest disciples, approach Jesus with 
their mother. They get their mother involved. Now, we don't really know if they got their mother involved or if this was their mother's idea. See, mothers are tricky, okay? Moms, I have one, so I understand moms. Moms can be very ambitious for their boys. You know what I'm talking about? Any moms out there? But we don't know if this is her idea or if it's the boy's idea. What we do know is that the three of them, James, John, and their mom, approach Jesus, and she gets down on a knee, and she says to Jesus, Jesus, I have a request. I have, I, uh, I have to ask you something. Jesus is like, okay, what is it? She says, hey, when you set up your kingdom, when everything is, you know, when, you, when it all kind of settles in and you get everything fixed up, when you're on your throne, can my son James sit on your right hand and my son John sit on your left hand? Wow. Moms, aren't you incredible? <laughs> Basically, what she was asking Jesus is, can my sons rule the universe with you? <laughs> Jesus is like, wow, I, you know, can they drink the cup of suffering that I'm about to drink? James and John speak up, oh, yes, we can. And Jesus says, oh, you will. <laughs> you will drink the cup of suffering. But for me to determine who sits on my right and left hand, that's not up to me. That's up to my heavenly father. And the conversation ends. Well, come to find out, the 10 other disciples found out about this little request, and they were not too happy. <laughs> In fact, the scripture says they were indignant. They were, translation, ticked off, <laughs> as you would have been, as I would have been. I mean, guys, I've been following Jesus these last you know, two years or two. Why should you sit on his right hand? I mean, think of all the, the jealousy and, and, and the, comp the competitiveness comes up inside of these guys. Like, why would, how do you get your mom involved? Really? You're bringing mom into the situation? And they were mad. And so Jesus senses it. He reads the room because he was the master at reading the room. And he sees everybody's getting upset. So he, he calls the first ever come to Jesus meeting. Have you ever had one of these? <laughs> these are, this is when you, uh, this is going to be a mess. Everybody get in the kitchen, you know, everybody come in the living room. We're going to talk this through. But this is the first ever real come to Jesus meeting. And so he gets everybody together and he goes into this little speech. Let's watch this, watch this. He says, fellas, you know that the rulers of this world lord it over people. And the officials flaunt their authority. In other words, you know that typically in this world, when people get authority, they, they leverage it for their own benefit. They abuse their power, generally speaking. You know that's how it typically works in the world. But among you guys, it will be, say it with me, different. It's not going to be that way. We're not going to be like the world and try to gain power and, and elevate to the highest seats in the land so that we can have all the authority. It's not going to be like that. Here's the way it's going to be with you guys and with me. Whoever wants to be in charge, whoever wants to be the leader among you must be your, say with me, servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. In other words, the way to the top, the way to be the leader is to go low and to be a person who meets the needs of the people. It's a totally different idea from what the world teaches. You guys got it all wrong. You're seeking to have positions of authority, but I'm not so sure you, I'm not so sure you can take the path to spiritual leadership, which is sacrifice and service and maybe even death. And then Jesus says this about himself in the next verse. For even the Son of Man didn't come to be served. Everybody, meet my needs, meet my needs, meet my, meet my needs. 
but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He uses this word ransom. We use that word or we hear that word when someone's kidnapped. And someone, and they ask for what? They ask for a ransom payment. You and I have been kidnapped by sin and the power of sin and the penalty of sin and the evil one. And Jesus comes to give his life as a ransom payment. He lays his life down to purchase you back, to redeem you, and put you back in a relationship with his heavenly father. Wow. That's his service to mankind. That's his service to you. And that's his service to me. What more could he give than his very own life? Jesus was the ultimate servant. That's what he was. Jesus was a servant. And then he turns to you and me and he says, really simply put, he says, okay, now that I've served, I want you to follow my example and serve others. I want you to follow in my footsteps and I want you to serve other people. It's exactly what he says. Many of you have, have heard about the Last Supper, and you've heard that. There's a famous picture by Leonardo da Vinci. Uh, you've probably seen this photograph right here uh, at the Last Supper. It's a wonderful photograph, and you can see the disciples, and so they're having a discussion, and some of them are having an argument over here, and some of them are asking questions. It's just typical of what human beings do. It's just a great picture. This is the Last Supper. What this picture doesn't capture was, is what actually happened at the supper before they started eating, which is captured in John chapter 13. In John chapter 13, there's a situation where everybody starts, everybody comes in to eat the meal, and before the food is served and before they start eating, something incredible happens. You see, at that particular meal, there was no servant. And usually what they would have is a, a foot surgeon or a, a servant or a slave at the door that would wash people's feet as they walked in. And the reason they did that is because back in those days, the roads were made with dirt and the animals walked on the road and they did their business on the road, okay? They didn't have toilets or anything like that. And so you have dirt roads with lots of animal poop. Can we say that in church? Dung. <laughs> And then also on top of that, there's lots, it would rain a lot. And so you have rain, you have dirt, and you have dung. This is a wonderful mixture. And so the reason why they always had a servant there at these situations is because people's feet were nasty. I was trying to look for a picture of, 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 of 2,000 year old dirty feet. I couldn't find one, but I did find this one right here. Uh, this, uh, I asked Pastor Cody to take his shoes off and that's what we got. <laughs> Um, no, we didn't do that. But, but aren't feet nasty? I mean, just look at those things. They're just hairy. Just, I mean, it's just, wow. Listen, even clean feet are nasty, right? So, right? You get out of the shower, you still don't even want to touch your own feet sometimes. Okay, we can take that photo off. It's grossing some people out. But. So you got these dirty, nasty feet. Back in those days, they didn't have cool shoes like Vans or anything like that to cover your toes. No, they wore sandals. So you got sandals on dirt roads filled with dung from the animals and occasional rain. This is not a good situation. And there's no foot washer. So what does Jesus do? He gets up, stands up, takes his towel from around his waist, fills up a water basin, and he starts to do the job of the house servant. And they are stunned. Peter throws a fit. No, you're not washing my feet. And so Jesus has to take him over and do a little talk, a little chit-chat, get him straightened out, and he takes care of Peter. 
And after he takes care of Peter, he comes back and he physically washes all of their feet. And then he grabs another towel and starts to dry them. What did Jesus do that day? He, he met a need. He, he humbled himself. And he became a servant. Jesus was a servant. In Philippians chapter 2, there's this amazing passage that captures what I'm talking about. Philippians chapter 2, Paul said these amazing words. He said, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, being equal with God, didn't, did not consider his equality with God something to be taken advantage of. Instead, what did he do? He made himself nothing, taking on the nature of what? Of a, of a house servant who would wash feet. Taking on the human likeness. And then it says, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. What did Christ do? He humbled himself and he died on a cross to meet your greatest need and my greatest need. He served us. Imagine this. The God of the universe becomes a man, takes on a body. Think about what that means. Jesus was 100% God. He was 100% man in one body. Did you know that? The deity, it's called the deity of Christ. Inside of a human body was God himself. What does that mean? That means that God himself subjected himself to things like hunger. You ever get hungry? Some of you are hungry right now. You skip breakfast. <laughs> I get hungry about three times a day. I'm always eating, constantly, because my stomach is telling me, it's time, it's time. Jesus subjected himself to hunger. He subjected himself to sleep. Imagine that, God needs to sleep, really? We're talking about the God of the universe, he's gotta take a nap, he's gonna go to sleep seven hours a night. Think about the humility that this took. Think about the fact that he, he had calluses on his hands because he had to work for a living. He had to get a job. God humbled himself and took on the form of a man. And he became a servant. And then he went all the way to the cross and died a criminal's death, even though he was innocent. He served. Jesus was a servant. And then, if we go back to John 13, he turns to his disciples and says, If I, your Lord and teacher have served and washed feet. Watch this. You ought to wash each other's feet as well. He turns to you. It's your turn. What you have received through Christmas, which is the ultimate act of service, now I want you to give it out to the people around you. In the same way that you receive joy, I want you to give the joy out. In the same way that you have received a foot washing, give it out to other people. Many of you have heard of John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's probably the most popular verse in the Bible. John also wrote the book of 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. Well, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, one that we don't hear a lot about, this is what John wrote. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. Like We understand what love looks like. Jesus said one time, there's no greater love than for a person to lay down his life for his friends. Like, What else could you give? other than your life. It's the greatest gift you can give anybody to sacrifice your life. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for you and for me, amen? 
And then John turns it back on you and he turns it back on me. And he says these words, so we also ought. This is something we ought to do in light of what he did for us. So we also ought to give our lives up for our brothers and sisters. Wow, it's the same thing Jesus said. I've served you, now I want you to turn and I want you to wash the feet of others. I gave my life up for you, now I want you to be willing to give your life up for others. I'm, I'm guessing many of you don't know who Ralph Johnson is. Ralph Johnson. I didn't know who he was until I started looking into this, this talk. Ralph Johnson. Here's a picture of Ralph Johnson. It's actually not a photo. It's a drawing of a photo. The actual photo is black and white because it's a very old photo. Ralph Johnson found himself in a foxhole on March 5th, 1968. He was in Vietnam. He was 19 years old. And there he's caught in a firefight, fighting the Viet Vietnamese. He's got two guys in the foxhole with him. He's only been in Vietnam for three months. He wanted to be, his sol he wanted to be a soldier as a kid growing up. That's so all he wanted to do was be a soldier. He's in the foxhole. All of a sudden, a grenade comes rolling into the foxhole. Without hesitation, Private Ralph Johnson dives onto the grenade, belly first, and absorbs the explosion. But right before he did that, he yelled to his two buddies and said, get down, get down, and then dove on the grenade. The grenade exploded, he died instantly, and his two friends in the hole survived. I've got a 20-year-old son. I've got an 18-year-old son. It's hard to imagine a young man at 19 years old without hesitation, willingly sacrificing his life for his friends. Recently, Ralph Johnson was awarded the highest medal in military service, the Congressional Medal of Honor. There's no greater honor in the military. Why? Because he gave everything he had. He gave his life. I also discovered recently that the United States built a battleship and named it the USS Ralph Johnson. Here's a picture of it. This ship cost $700 million. It can fight submarines, it can fight anything on the surface, and it can fight jets in the air. It can do everything. It is a bad ship, okay? <laughs> the USS Ralph Johnson. You know who gets ships like this named after them? I'll just give you a few examples. Dwight D. Eisenhower, Ronald Reagan, Gerald Ford, Winston Churchill, and Ralph Johnson. Why would the United States military do that? Because they acknowledge the incredible sacrifice that, that Ralph, Private Ralph Johnson did not even hesitate to give. He gave his very life. Who, who did that first? Where's that come from? Where's that unselfishness come from? It is rooted and grounded and founded in our Savior who willingly came to this earth 
Not to dive on a grenade, but to die on a cross. That's how he served you. Now, I'm not going to stand up here today and say, well, your action step today is, you know, go jump in front of a car for somebody. <laughs> go jump on a grenade. You might. You might for, your, for somebody to save somebody's life. And if that's in your, the situation you're in, go do it. Give your life up for somebody else. But you know what? More than likely, <laughs> what you're going to be asked to do today is empty the stupid dishwasher for somebody else. That's what the needs are. Well, well, what is service? Service is looking around and and seeing what the needs are and then doing it. Like, put your your shoes away. There's an idea. Without being asked. Imagine right now, if you're, you're a middle school student, high school student, and you go home right now, and without being asked, you go clean your room. You are gonna blow your parents' ever loving mind. Your parents are gonna write the church a check because your life has been changed. <laughs> what? I'm serious. Without being asked, serve. Just serve. Just look around. There's needs everywhere. Look around. Encourage, look around. There, encourage somebody. Go to lunch with somebody. Take somebody out for a cup of coffee. Write somebody a thank you note. Here's a free one. This is so easy. I love doing this one. Smile. Smile at someone. Tell them you appreciate them. What are the needs? The needs are all around us. It's everywhere. So what is Jesus saying to do? He's just saying, hey, grab a towel, grab a towel. Humble yourself. And in the same way I met needs, in the same way I washed feet, you find a need and you start washing. What do we give? We give what we receive. Christ served you, so you ought to serve others. Now, I know some of you are hearing this. are like, man, Pastor Danny, I tried that one time. They didn't appreciate it they didn't reciprocate it they didn't return the favor they didn't even say thank you I tried your little thing here (laughs) doesn't work tried it twice didn't work either time you know what shut up just shut up (laughs) seriously because what is the what hold on hold on no no hold on hold on I don't want you to clap for that what is behind that attitude I tried that one time. They didn't show me appreciation. I serve my husband all the time. He never says thank you. I serve my wife. She never appreciates me. What is behind that? What, what philosophy is behind that attitude? Treat yourself. You never dropped your philosophy. You're trying to, you're trying to serve someone with selfish motives. You're, try, you're waiting for the response. You're waiting for the return. You're waiting for the attaboy. You're waiting for the thank you, right? That's a, you're, at the core of your being is selfishness. You have to drop that and just serve because Christ served you. Let me, let me share a thought with you and then we'll wrap this thing up. Here's, here's, here's the, real, the real way I want you to hear it. You're not responsible for the results. You're responsible for the action. What people do in response to your service, that's none of your business. They may say thank you. They may take advantage of you. They may show gratitude. They may not say anything. It's not up to you. That's not why we do it. We serve because Christ served us. Think about Jesus. Think about Jesus. He gives his life for humanity. Half the world says, I want nothing to do with it. Probably more than half the world. I don't care about Christ. I don't care about Christmas, the cross. I don't care about the grace, the forgiveness. I want nothing to do with it. And then half of the people, maybe more, who actually say they believe in Jesus are a bunch of hypocrites. Some of you are sitting here. Some of you are watching. Did I just say that? 
You got people claiming to follow Christ, but they're really not following Christ. They're giving Jesus lip service. You come to church and then you go live any way you want to live. And you have this out, outer shell of Christianity. Think about how Jesus must feel. People taking advantage of his grace. He gives his very life, people rejecting his grace, abusing his grace, manipulating his forgiveness, ma manipulating his love. Think about how he must feel. See, Jesus didn't serve you and I because we were going to return the favor. Mm -mm. Jesus served humanity because it was our greatest need. And he knew Millions and millions and millions of people would just say, I want nothing to do with it. And millions and millions of people would abuse it, and he still gave it. That's our example. We don't control the result, people's response. We're responsible to serve. We're responsible to give what we receive. How else do we make sense of this statement in Luke chapter 6, this command from Jesus? Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. What? Bless those who curse you. I want to punch people who curse me. <laughs> I, want to, I want to hurt back when I get hurt. How else do we understand this? Other, if we don't understand that we're not responsible for the result, we're responsible for the service and the action. We're called to serve those in our lives, even those who are cross with us or curse us or even hurt us. So what have I said today? Well, we've said treat yourself is not a good philosophy. It's the fastest way to an empty life. It's the fastest way to a small, silent funeral. The proper way to live is to be a person who sees their life as a gift to others, to serve others. What do we give? We give service. We give joy. It's what Jesus did. We give what we received. That's your challenge today. What's a great way to start? A practical way to start today? Here's a practical way. Take this question with you and start asking this question. How can I help? Who can I help? What are the needs? What do people need today in your house with your friendships? What do people need? And when you get an answer to that question, just take action. Just take action. And you do that every single day. Not just every once in a while, but every day try to take on a towel and say, my role is to be a servant. My role is to be a giver. One of the best things I do, uh, and I don't do it every day, I wish I did more of it, is to look at my wife and say, do you need anything today? How can I help? And I need to do it more and more and more, but that's one of the best things that we do for each other. How can I help you? What do you need? So, as we wrap up today, quick question. Who will you serve this Christmas? Who is it? Is it someone in your family? Is it someone in need? A cousin, a brother, a parent? Who is it that you are going to serve? I know you don't want to. Oh, it's going to require time. It's going to require effort. It's going to require you to go and be uncomfortable. And I, I, I know, but Christ served you. And it wasn't comfortable for him. And it didn't fit into his schedule. <laughs> but he served you. Who will you serve? Write their name down. And this Christmas, make a point to serve them. Now, it's baptism weekend, so we're going to see some people get baptized right now. Baptism is a perfect picture of this gift. When Jesus died on the cross, he, he paid for our sins. When, when someone goes under the water, it's symbolic of their, them dying to their old way to life. When they come up, it's symbolic of them being washed away. It's a perfect picture of the gift that he's given us. So let's baptize some folks today. Can we give it up for everyone who made their faith public 
through baptism today. What an exciting day for all of those people. At every single campus, at every single service, had a baptism today. Baptism is a perfect picture of salvation. Buried with Christ and raised to walk in a new life. Congratulations again to everyone who told the world that they follow Jesus. Hey, before we end our time together, I want to real quick come back to the verse Pastor Danny just talked about in 1 John 3.16. Specifically, I just want to look at the first part of that verse. And it says this, We know what real love is because Jesus gave his life for us. So those words, Jesus gave up his life for us, it's the essence of the gospel. The word gospel means good news. And what is that good news? Good news is that God loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to this earth to take the punishment that we all deserve. See, all of us mess up. We all sin. We all miss the mark. I do, you do, we all do. And I need a savior, savior, and so do you. That is why Jesus went to the cross. He died for you, and he died for me. He took the place for you so that you can be made right in the sight of God. The gospel, the good news of Jesus, it can be summed up in these four words. Jesus in my place. Jesus in my place. You and I deserve the punishment for our sin, but Jesus doesn't make sense. He took it for us. It's incredible. But guess what? It gets better. See, anyone who confesses their sin and believes that Jesus Christ died on the cross for them and rose again from the grave can be saved. See, Jesus showed us that he conquered sin and he conquered death when he rose again. So anyone who puts their faith in him, who trusts in him, another way to say that would be to put your confidence in him, will be made right in the sight of God. And so you may be sitting there thinking, how does believing that Jesus died and rose again affect my life right here, right now in 2021? I'm so glad you asked. Jesus says in Matthew 4, he says, repent because the kingdom of God is here. Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is not some far off distant future. It is right here and it is yours for the taking. John 10, 10, Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly, like right here, right now. So how do you step in to that life? Anyone who trusts in what Jesus did for you and for me on that cross can have that abundant life right now and for eternity. So right now, I wanna give everyone watching online the opportunity to step into that relationship with God, to receive Jesus Christ as your savior, to put your trust in him, not putting your confidence in anything else, not in yourself, not trust in other people, but trust and confidence in a God who loved you so much that he would sacrifice his son for you and for me. So will you join me in prayer right now if you wanna make that decision to follow Jesus? And let me say this right before we pray, this prayer does not save you, it's the posture of your heart that saves you. So will you join me in this prayer? So God, I know I have made mistakes. I know that I am a sinner. I know that I put my trust in the wrong things, but today, God, I am choosing you. I'm choosing your mercy and I'm choosing your grace. I know that you died for me, that you conquered death for me by rising from the dead and that you are the one true God and you have a better plan for my life, both right now and for eternity. So right now, I choose to accept the love that you have for me. I am choosing to step into a relationship with you 
I'm choosing to follow you. And today, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, please save me. I put all my faith and all my trust and all my hope in you. Amen. Congratulations. You just made the most important decision of your life. We celebrate with you. If you made that decision, we actually have something for you. It's something we call a save box. And in this save box is a Bible. It looks like this. It has your next steps in it. It has a coffee cup in there. The best way for you to get this box is to text SAVE to 65248. Again, text SAVE to 65248. And if you made that decision to step into a relationship with God and choose a life of being his follower, we are so excited for you. Can we give it up? for all those people who made the decision to follow Jesus. Congratulations, it is why we do what we do. So before we leave today, a great way to stay connected with us, to, to get into a community of other believers is our Facebook group for the online campus. It's a great way to stay up to date on everything happening around Emmanuel, and it's a great way to engage with other people on this journey called life and faith throughout the week. So join the group today or click the link in the chat. Up next is our children's ministry experience. If your children are consistently worshiping from home, please join the children's ministry club. Each month, we'll send your children a box of everything that they need. And I mean everything. There's crafts, there's lessons, there's Klingons, everything they need to follow along with each week's lessons. The children's ministry club empowers you to be the spiritual leader in the home. So to sign up, it takes just a couple seconds. Text CLUB to 65248 and then we'll send you a link to join or you can click the link in the chat. Thank you again for being a part of our service. Kids, it's your turn. Let's dive into this week's lesson and grow in Christ together. Parents, thanks for being with us. Don't forget, next week's our big day as we celebrate Christmas together. Hope to see you at one of our campuses. Have an awesome week. Bring it.